Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Playbook. This week's guest is Scott Hull with the Gary Ashton team of Remax Advantage in Nashville, Tennessee. How are you doing today, Scott? Not too bad. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. So for the audience out there, the people who might not be too familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little about your background and kind of what got you to where you are today? Sure. Um, yeah. So obviously Nashville, uh, you know, now that it's the music or now it's the, the business hub of uh, the Southeast a little bit, but it used to be uh, Music City. Um, and so I have initially moved down here from North Idaho uh, to pursue a career in audio, um, did that for a few years and then uh, got uh, engaged and decided that, you know, I probably need to find something in in Nashville where I wasn't gone five to 14 days at a time. Um, so I was uh, working at a bank. That was the first job I got after, uh, after I stopped doing the road. And um, I was actually in the middle of selling my house when I got off of there. And I, I called my agent and was like, you know what? I, I think I want to do some real estate. Uh, and he, he sat down and said, you know, I think you'd be good at it. You should call our broker. Uh, and that's how I got connected with Gary. Um, I was actually an internet lead on the website of his back in 2012. My dad, uh, my dad signed up as a forced registration. And, um, and so he ended up selling me a house, my dad a house, and then he resold my house and I uh, got connected to Gary through them. And so I started in April of 2016, I got married. So I started actually selling houses end of April uh, and then ended up selling 25 houses between April and November. Um, and I, uh, this is what 2016 at yeah, 2016. Yeah. And then I didn't want to be an agent anymore because selling 25 houses in, in nine months off like internet leads is like, you want to drop over dead a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was great money. And so I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to go work for a builder. You know, they offered me a, a good job and, and a good base salary. And, uh, Gary told me I couldn't do that. I should come start an ISA department. Um, <clears throat> and so back then I think I was employee five, uh, that year we did 127 team sales, um, oh. and I think for somewhere around like 52 million. And so I quickly learned as I was calling these leads that we didn't have any systems set up for post ISA, you know, like I would talk to them and they'd want to buy a house in Franklin and for this much money and whatever. And then I'd hand it off to an agent and they may or may not have gotten connected. There was nothing downline to figure out what was going to happen with that person after I talked to them. And so that's when I, I stepped out of the ISA role, hired someone to come in uh, and help there. And um, last year we did somewhere around 3,000 transactions for 1.2 billion. That's insane. Um, so, uh, taking a bit of a scale, we've got 10 people in our ISA department. We've got five or six people in sales, uh, another few people in development. So um, really, really scaled pretty, pretty quickly from there. Um, and I head up basically all systems accountability um, and lead uh, processing, basically. Yeah, so let's talk a little about that, Scott. So, you know, obviously, if we're going back to 2016, I think you said 127 team sales for, yeah. what was it, a little over 50 million? Like 53 million, yeah. And that's before all the systems and processes. And if you're going to scale big, especially in today's market, how quickly everything's shifting, how fast you got to pivot and move, uh, would you say that, you know, obviously I'm a firm believer that tech will never replace the agents. However, agents who are not utilizing techs and systems and things of that nature are going to have a tough time surviving and thriving in this industry. Kind of my question, I guess, is two part is one, uh, do you feel the same way um, in regards to that? And then the second question is, 
do you feel that one of the main things that allowed you to scale as quick as you did was the fact that you started to implement these systems processes and accountability? Yeah, so kind of, kind of, I guess, three answers to your two questions. Um, so first one, obviously, I think that technology now is more important than ever. Um, you know, everything has to happen right now. If somebody calls you, you don't answer, they're calling the next person. Um, so having the ability to have computer-aided systems to allow you to, to scale your ability to contact and keep contact over time, I think is, is vitally important. Um, and as far as scaling, I think it, it's interesting because you obviously can't just have systems to scale. You've got to have lead generation. Uh, and that's where Gary is the master lead generator. You know, he's out there, you know, we didn't have half the deals or partnerships that we did back in 2016. Um, and so as I was scaling kind of the processing systems, he was out there getting tons of leads. You know, we generate somewhere around 60,000 a year now. Um, and so I think at scale, you have to have systems, obviously, to, to be able to, um, to do that. Now, as a single agent, I think um, it's interesting because, well, I think you have a question later on that we can go into. But, but I definitely think, um, you know, systems is a, is a huge ability to scale your business where you can't be in seven places at once. So you've got to find a way to mimic that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And, and the fact that, you know, just, I think to today's society, what I call the Amazon effect is everybody wants immediate gratification. So it's very hard for you to be able to meet the demand of the consumer by not having something to aid, whether it be personnel, which, you know, you shifted to prior to us with the ISAs, almost like an inside sales and an outside sales division. So those inside sales, associates can give those answers and immediate responses to the consumer, but then also piggybacking off that with technology, you know, whether it's after hours or to give back quicker responses, just so that they know not to leave the platform and that their answers will, you know, their questions will get answered and handled by somebody. Because obviously as an agent, especially a productive agent, typically you're in the field all day, talking to clients, showing homes, running listing appointments. So it's, um, it's nearly impossible for you to meet these demands without that personnel and then systematic aid. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the current market conditions that you're seeing in Nashville and what strategies uh, you guys are implementing for this year? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys are obviously kind of in the same realm as us, right? Yep. Everybody wants to buy a house in Tennessee. Everybody wants to buy a house in Florida. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so we're seeing kind of similar growth. I don't know what your guys' market has been as inventory as the beginning of the year, um, but obviously coming out of the end of 2020 into January of 2021, the market hadn't quite exploded yet. You know, it was busy, but it wasn't insane like it turned into in uh, April, May of last year here. So when we look at inventory numbers, we're down almost 25% in inventory year over year in January. Um, and our sales were pretty much the same. Uh, I think it was maybe a little bit lower, but when you talk to like our mortgage lender, he's pre-approving way more people every day. You know, he's pre-approving 30 to 35 people every day. Um, mm -hmm. But when you look at it, he's not having, you know, 350 closings a month because there's just no inventory. Um, and so, you know, it's, that's kind of the, the tough question, right? Like how are we getting more inventory? So we've got some builder partnerships um, we've got some folks on the team that invest in different, uh, um, complexes. And so we're able to get some insider scoop on some of these, uh, pre-listing buildings or subdivisions, uh, which has been huge for our buyers, um, and finding off market inventory, you know, like mm -hmm. going and finding people that haven't sold their house in four or five years and 
throwing them direct mail, um, you know, tons of different things, just trying to find inventory because it's so difficult right now um, that even, you know, it's, it's adding to, you know, you used to have, I don't know how Florida is, but here, you know, so a builder would probably list a property two to three months before it was finished, hoping to secure a buyer. They'll dual close so that they're not holding the property for an extra yeah. month or two. Um, we're not seeing any of that now. Like it, it doesn't get listed until it's got a bow on it and they can charge an extra 30 grand than they would have if they listed it three months ago. Oh yeah. Um, we've, we've been in our markets. They've gone to where they're going to release a home to the market and the builder will have everybody kind of show up with the highest and best offer. Yeah, and it's like, it's hey, this is the best offer is the one we're going to work with and kind of go down the line if it doesn't work. So stuff, you know, back in the day, you know, 05, 06, we had the raffles and tickets and people would win like what they had the lottery. And right. then you see people sell those lottery tickets for, I think, 50, 60,000 when we were just- Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we're seeing that again with, yeah. with builders because, yeah, like a subdivision will have, you know, 150 lots and they've got 600 people on their waiting list. Yeah. And they're basically saying like, Hey, we're going to charge 10,000 more per lot. And, you know, we'll pick them in the order that we can pick them in. And it's like, all of a sudden, you know, you get down the line and it's like, wow, this is insane. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. So it's all about finding the insider scoop. Obviously, you know, we had, you know, Zillow offers just like you. So we got the little bit of an inside scoop on stuff that was coming there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the current strategy. I think the bigger you are, the more opportunities you get with the different people that you know, right? So we've got exactly. you know, people that focus just like you, people that focus on all these different areas and you get, you know, you do a deal with someone that tells you like, oh, we also have this thing coming. And then all of a sudden our whole team is, you know, sharking it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And the one thing I'll say too is we've been a little bit more uh, purposeful with trying to find inventory, doing things similar to what you're saying is off-market properties and things like that. And believe it or not, the biggest hesitation that we have from people who, want to sell right now on on today's market is that they're worried about they're not gonna be able to find a place to live you know it's not a, a problem about selling the house or you're being able to get the price they command it's more of like well great we sell but then we're going to do it similar to when they called to buy my truck back and they're like hey we're overpaying for trucks right now well, i've had it for two years we'll pay you more than you bought it for i'll be like great but the other trucks are inflated significantly right, more yeah. it's like where am i gonna so, go <laughs> like, what, I, don't, I don't see the point in that so are you guys running into a similar situation in your listing appointments with your sellers where they're kind of nervous about not being able to find a house to buy if they were to sell? For sure. Yeah. So we end up, you know, we've got a couple of different people we work with. Uh, I don't know if, if Florida where you have has knock like the home swap thing mm -hmm. uh, or ribbon or, you know, a few different programs like that open door, whatever, where you can stay, you know, 90 days after, or they'll, you know, let you hold the house for 90 days or 120 days before you sell. Um, <clears throat> we've gotten a lot of that that's helped out because, you know, like, hey, I've got three months to find a buyer. I just sold a listing that, you know, basically the folks paid 30K over, uh, no appraisal contingency, no inspection contingency, and they can live there for 60 days for free. Uh, after closing. And so I think that's also helping saying like, hey, you know, we can get you, um, you know, we can get you closed. That way you don't have a contingent offer to write. And, you know, you can go be the guy that's got 400 grand in cash to go spend versus, you know, having it all tied up, trying to squeeze every penny you can out of your, you know, your HELOC or something to try and get some cash down. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, so we're, I'm not familiar with Knock and Ribbon. Now, Divi Homes just opened up here, which believe it or not, Chris used to run Veronica's Zillow offer as the broker yeah. for Florida. So we had okay. Divi come and present and they kind of have a similar product. And obviously uh, we have other programs as well, but 
Uh, for the audience, why don't you talk a little about Knock um, as well as Ribbon, and also, you know, are you are you seeing success with utilizing either one of those platforms? Yeah, so it they're they're kind of the difficult thing to explain to somebody, and so they get used less than they should, which really is an advantage for us, the people that are using them. Uh, but basically, Ribbon will give you there's a, they have a few different programs, but they'll essentially give you a cash backed offer for a percentage, essentially. So like if you're a first time home buyer. Say you're going to go try to buy a house and you've got, you know, you're looking for 250. Well, 250 in Nashville is about the cheapest thing you can buy now. And it probably needs some work. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we have the ability to do is, you know, if you're going to put an offer on a 250 house that's listed at 250, it's probably going to go for 290, you know, right. with no contingencies. Mm -hmm. And so what Ribbon gives you the ability to do is come in with basically a cash backed offer. So if a Ribbon approves you to bid on the house for whatever amount, they'll pay cash for the house for that amount. So there's no fallout potential. Um, and so it brings you from having an FHA or a VA or some type of loan like that, where like, what am I going to do? You know, this yeah. guy's got 1% to put down or whatever. And, you know, they know that they're going to have to come over an appraisal contingency, you know, 10 or 20 grand. So it's like, I'm set up with these people and now I have a cash backed offer. So mm -hmm. I'm not having to worry about, um, you know, that appraisal gap as much because I can say, hey, I'm basically handing you a cash offer for 275, you know, yeah. because probably if they were going FHA, you probably have to offer 290 and hope that they want it. Yeah. Uh, and then and then if they do want to get under contract and hope that it appraises, then if it doesn't, do they have right. the money to make up the deficiency? Correct. And so, and they charge minimal for that. I can't remember the exact amount. I think it's like 1.95% or something. So you're basically paying five grand instead of 15 or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then knock is more of a home swap. So if you have a home to sell, um, you know, they'll essentially, they're the lender as well. So they're making their money on different parts of the loan um, versus on the house. So they'll let you like, They'll give you a certain amount of cash to fix anything you need to fix. They give you time to live there while you're finding your new one. So there's a lot of advantages where it's not as much out of pocket, um, but they're only open in certain states right now. Sounds so almost like a, a bridge loan on steroids almost. Pretty much it is. Yeah, that's basically they're they're utilizing, you know, the asset that they're going to kind of co-own kind of a deal. But yeah, very. And very then, uh, in addition to allowing you to use that equity and you know, whether it can cover a whole or a portion of your new purchase. Well, there's no DTI hit that way. So they're basically able to do it in a way that like that old loan doesn't count against your DTI. So if you're running up to issues where you've got the cash and you don't have the debt to income ratio, now you do. Hmm. Very interesting. And on, even if you had a mortgage, then you could look at to pay that off if you were trying to get qualified or something and that mortgage right. was kind of hindering your pre-approval where you couldn't buy before. Correct. This gives you the way to do it where you're not running that you know, walking that tightrope of trying to do a simultaneous close in today's marketplace. Yep. So yeah, those sound like great programs, something that definitely need to look into. Um, I guess another question that I'd have for you, Scott, is throughout your career, what would you say your biggest strength is? Obviously you went from, you know, trying to be a musician, then going to try to find a stable job, you know, becoming an agent, selling, you know, 25 homes out the gate in seven, eight months, uh, working for the builder or, entertaining opportunity to work for the builder and then building the ISA department. And now you've kind of taken over all systems, um, accountability and things of that nature. Uh, what would you say is kind of your biggest strength that allows you to do things at such a high level? Um, I would say, you know, I've got a really big tech background, so that's given me 
my brain is wired in like, how can we do this more efficient and better? Mm -hmm. um, which that also can flip to being your biggest weakness too. <laughs> Moving too fast, <laughs> changing things too often. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's what's kind of that mindset. When I see it, you know, I'm a problem solver. So when I see something come up, it's like, oh, we can do this this way. This is going to cost us way less money to do this than it would be if we we're going to do it this way. Uh, so I run a very lean staff for what we're able to do. Um, which obviously gives us more money for advertising, things like that. Um, and we're just, so we're super efficient. I think that, you know, that would be my, my biggest, uh, you know, thing I would say. And when it comes to Gary's team um, and Remax Advantage, what would you say right now is the biggest bottleneck? What do you see that you guys are kind of all in on that you see, hey, it might not be necessarily something that's holding you back, but you're like, hey, if we can kind of figure this thing out, then we could have exponential growth. Like what's, what's the one thing you guys are all in right now? Yeah. So I think finding a way to overcome inventory is a big one of those, right? Like we've got hundreds of buyers that just are sitting here waiting for us to find something for them. Right. Um, and then just another big thing is agent burnout, trying to figure out how can we help those that are here that have these people they've written 10 20 offers for that aren't getting under contract so it's like twofold trying to help the buyer on burnout and the seller on burnout because mm -hmm. they're or sorry the the agent, agent they're so you know they're kind of intertwined where you know after five or six losses both the agent and the buyer are like man i don't know if we're ever going to find this guy house and that's and when you guys are kind of becoming purposeful it sounds like and bringing on the partnerships with like ribbon right. or knock and these other yep. outside sources to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, so that's that's definitely part of it. And then just making sure that we have enough agents on the team to service the amount of, uh, you know, amount of clients that we have. Yeah, yeah, obviously always recruiting and, you know, and yep. if you guys doing such a great job, I imagine that that clientele base is only gonna continue to grow. So obviously you're gonna need to kind of get agents, you know, not only recruited, but trained quickly and get them into production. Yep. Awesome, man. So if you could speak to like a younger version of yourself, like if you were to start all over again, what, what are some things you might've been, you might've done differently to kind of get you where you're at now? Something that you might've wasted time on and now you can kind of see that there was a shortcut to that or something you could have done a little bit more efficiently. Man, I would, um, you know, I can kind of give you the cliche answer of like everything that, you know, I've done has kind of gotten me to this place, which, um, which is what I would say. Uh, you know, the one thing that I would look back on is, um, leadership skills, I think is, is one of the biggest things that it took me until like the last two years to really get like, okay, I, I need to convey, you know, mine, mine, like I said, is I'm computer world where you tell yeah. something what you need to happen. Right. And so being able to funnel that through a more leadership mindset of saying like, okay, this is the outcome I want. What do I need to, how do I need to phrase this so that it's going to motivate somebody else to do it without sounding like I'm telling them to do it kind of a thing. Um, but other than that, you know, all the stuff that, that I've gone through, I think only gets you to a place where that's, that's where you work harder and, and wake up every day and grind. Yeah. And I agree with you hundred percent. And I think the interesting thing kind of to piggyback on that with leadership is it's not something I don't think that can be taught. It's something that you learn through experience. And I think you have to be open-minded to coaching and mentoring and start to understand. And, and I think one thing that helped me evolve as a leader is start to learn more a little bit about human psyche and how people act. And even like language patterns or certain words that if I'm talking to you in conversation, it might not, you know, matter and stuff. And I'm just kind of speaking lingo to you. But if you send out an email company wide, it goes to 100 people and 50 people are internalizing this one word that kind of triggers a reaction. Like to learn all these little nuances 
that you would have never thought of in the beginning of that path to leadership. So. Yeah, I, I used to be the king of sending out the like 10 word emails. That, like, you know, to me, it was like, hey, we need to do this thing. And yeah. Like, everyone's like, wait, are we not doing it right now? Like, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with the way we're doing it? And you get all these questions and you're like, wait. So yeah. now I've definitely gotten more to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to interpret this 10 different ways and see all the ways that people are going to ask these questions and I'm going to fix it before I send it. Yeah. And, and I've learned that, like, I used to do something similar. I would just send an email and it'd be just bullet points, like, like, almost like, hey, we need these five things that wait. But like, one thing I learned is kind of how to hot jar the email, you know, open up with a positive, you know, a couple sentences, close it good, and then kind of put the message sandwich it in the middle there. But just to kind of be more purposeful in the words and it's, it's just all those little things that I, I think I don't want to say if you take for granted because you don't know at the time, but there is so much that goes into leadership and it's something that I think you continue to evolve on every day. So obviously you talked about kind of what got you to Nashville and, um, you know, where you ideally wanted your career path to go before kind of find that job, getting the income and all that good stuff. If in today you weren't in real estate or working for Gary's team, what, where do you see yourself doing? Like, what would you self yourself being or similar career or, or something else? Um, yeah, I think, so I ended up, I did end up touring for a few years and that was probably one of the most fun jobs. That that's awesome, had, man. You know, being that that's what you wanted to do. Um, but again, that, you know, you can't be gone all the time. So with that off the table, um, you know, I, I do a lot of this in the day job, but, you know, I probably do something with computers programming. Um, that's kind of my, that's how my brain functions. So it, it's easy for me. It makes you, uh, you know, want to get up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Like something like where it's systems and tech and kind of just creating those processes and right. running a company like that somewhere. Awesome, man. So lastly, if you could, Scott, if you're for the audience out there, for all agents, and uh, I know you'll be able to speak to this because you have a lot of agents that you guys are constantly onboarding some with experience, some without. But if you're an agent in today's marketplace that's either newly licensed, you're kind of ready to start your journey, or maybe you've been doing real estate a year or two and you're not quite having that level of success or, or that production goal that you're striving to hit, what would be like your one main takeaway or one sentence of advice that you would kind of give them to make sure they start off in the right direction? Yeah, so when I coach people on our team, um, you know, it's typically not the... It's, it's not the hard things that they have a problem with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, most people know how to do the hard stuff. I think the biggest, uh, biggest piece of advice is finding a way to make wins out of the monotony. Um, you know, this is something that, that I've learned to do over the years because you don't wake up every day ready to just fly out of bed, go do the work and grind. Mm -hmm. Most days I do. But there's days I wake up that it's like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm just going to go, you know, take the kids to the park and like, you know, watch some TV, whatever. Um, and but when I have that, I immediately go into like, OK, I need to go find something to get a little win at so that I can get get going. Um, you know, from an agent perspective, it's I think it's very difficult to disconnect the um, closings with other things. Right. Like the closing is the best part. Showing a house is great, um, but getting the paycheck, it's like what you want to do, right? And no one wants to make phone calls all day. No one wants to send emails all day, um, but it's trying to find the win in those things that make the excitement happen in the rest of it, because that's where, that's the difference between top producers and people that quit after three years is the ones that are top producers, they've gone through the grind, they know what it takes, they can buckle down and go do the things that they don't wanna do. Mm -hmm. um, 
And the folks that typically fail are the one they only want to do the big thing. Uh, and I think this is everywhere in life, right? Like the most successful people are the ones that are willing to do, you know, the grind of the stuff that no one else wants to do. Um, you know, there's very few people, I would say probably, you know, there's no billionaires that have ever like just hung around all day. Now they're at the point they can hang around all day and they don't. Um, and so I think that's what's, that's what is interesting to me is when I typically talk to new agents, I'm like, you know, um, how much money do you want to make your first year? It's like, oh, I want to make 60 grand. It's like, all oh, right, that's awesome. You, know, you can definitely do that in this industry. Um, you know, how, how much do you expect to work? And I've had people, you know, tell me a hundred hours a week. I've had people tell me 20. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I was like, so what other industry could you jump into where you can go make, you know, spend 20 hours a week and make $60,000. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, my biggest thing is just find, find a way to make it through the grind so that you can get onto the other side and, and be successful doing the stuff you want to do. Yeah. So what I'm hearing to kind of summarize that a little bit is, is one celebrating the win and the win doesn't have to be the closing of the paycheck. It could be getting an offer executed or, maybe getting a non-responsive lead to finally respond and set up a showing to a home. So make sure that you're just, when you are purposeful and doing your daily activities, that you are kind of celebrating the wins you have, no matter how minor they are. So that way you can kind of compound that into the big win, which is obviously at the closing table when you kind of bring that client to the finish line. And then obviously you receive compensation for that. Uh, the other thing um, in speaking to what you were talking about, top level producers, a couple of things that I've noticed is one, it's never one big thing, right? It's never somebody has a big secret or this, you know, big grandiose idea that allows them to have that much of a degree of separation from their competition. What it is, is just, I feel they're disciplined with their micro commitments. And then they stack those micro commitments on top of each other, same discipline, like lead follow-up, responding to emails, things like that. Well, like you said, in the morning, hey, I know that uh, everybody's going to go through this, regardless of the level of success that you wake up in the morning, you're like, Hey, I'd rather do something else. But it's the ones who know that, Hey, you know what? I might not give it a hundred percent today, but I'm at least going to show up. It's not okay not to show up, but there's that other half of agents who do, Hey, I want to go to the park today. The kids blow the day off and they do go do that. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Everybody needs a break once in a while, but it's the ones who constantly get up and do the, have the discipline to do those acts where, they don't feed into that, hey, I'd rather go do something else because in this industry, it's very easy to constantly go do something else on a daily basis. <laughs> For sure. And then when I talk to agents who've had high levels of success, another thing that I always find intriguing, actually, this isn't just for agents, all business owners, is if you ever hear them talk about or you see the excitement or kind of where their eyes light up, they never talk about kind of hitting the summit of the mountain or making their way to the top or that accomplishment and what that looked like. It's always about the process. They're very enthusiastic and passionate about the process and they love that part and became, I think once they started to get some traction and they saw that they just became more motivated and disciplined to kind of let it play the course to get where they're at today. And whenever you speak to them, they're not really talking about how great they are, or how much business they're doing. They're talking about kind of what got them there and you kind of see that's where the excitement comes in. So I think that you, you have a lot of nuggets there of information and a lot of people don't understand that. I, you know, it's just, it's little things and just every day doing the little things that most people don't want to. I mean, I think I've heard before what separates successful people from unsuccessful people is successful people are willing to do things unsuccessful people don't. Hundred percent. I mean, you've seen that, uh, what's that, that meme where the guy's digging gold and he's like one hit away and he mm -hmm. turns around and goes home. 
Yep, yeah. absolutely. You never always, know, man. There's always that FOMO that you just got to keep going. Keep going, man. Just persevere and don't give up. So, well, it's been a pleasure having you on this week's episode, Scott. Greatly appreciate it for anybody out there, buyer or seller, who's looking to sell or buy in the Nashville market, or maybe an agent who's looking for a change of brokerage, change of scenery, or somebody getting newly licensed in your market or moving to Nashville and wants to practice real estate there. What would be the best way for them to get a hold of you and uh, Gary Ashton there at Remax Advantage? Yeah, it, uh, it is um, joingaryashton.com. Uh, I believe is the website URL. Yeah, we'll put it all this in the Facebook too. Yeah, we'll put everything yeah, if you, in there. Yep, yep. If you send us an email or give us a call, 615-301-1650. All right. Well, we greatly appreciate having you. We'll make sure to, when we get this posted that we go ahead and post that information as well. So that way, if anybody is in the marketplace looking to buy or sell or you know looking to join a brokerage, uh, that they can definitely have the opportunity to reach out to you. Awesome. I appreciate it, Joe. All right. It's been a pleasure. Take care.